Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the holy fire, Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Tamara, Dr. Riegert, and crew. One of the things that you notice uh, as you study Scripture for the purpose of teaching or preaching is that Scripture knows us pretty well. Scripture knows us. I would also submit that the Christian calendar kind of knows us too, and the Christian calendar comes alongside Scripture to try to to, to participate in this incredible undertaking to transform us. Another way to say it would be something like this, to help us in this sanctifying process whereby we are hopefully at some point able to overcome our preoccupation with ourselves and can then put in replacement of that preoccupation with ourselves a preoccupation with God, which also then becomes a preoccupation with others. But that is no small thing. <laughs> that, is a, that is a difficult thing to try to overcome Uh, what will feel like wiring, right? Will feel like instinctive wiring. Imagine with me for a second that you get together with somebody after the holidays, right after Christmas or right after New Year's Day. You get, you get together with somebody, you want to maintain the friendship, so you, you get together and, and you inevitably start talking about Christmas. And one of the questions that's going to come up a lot of the times is, what did you get? What did you get? It's not a bad question. I mean, it's sort of like reporting. It's, it's okay. It's not necessarily a bad question. The question that doesn't come up as often is, what did you give? Right? We, we are wired for getting. We are wired to get. I mean, you see that in the kids, right? And sometimes we even celebrate it. Sometimes we even celebrate. I, I, will, I will admit, and I know, having heard the video, Tim, that you feel the same way, I wait with great anticipation to see my kids get really happy with all that transpires there underneath the tree. But that is so much about getting, right? Now, to be sure, getting can be connected to happiness. Amen? <laughs> Like, the stuff that you get can have a say as to whether or not you're going to be happy or how happy you're going to be or how unhappy you're going to be. That can 
to a large degree be determined by that whole getting or not getting process. Happiness, boy, in our Sunday school class today, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, West Beach really helped us today. Happiness can have a lot to do with what you're experiencing, but joy has a lot to do with relationship. Joy has a lot to do with relationship. So in the season of Advent, we are slowly but surely trying to become more aware of how it is that we are, are not quite there yet. We're not quite there yet. We're living in a time that, was best, that is best described as now and not yet. And that's not just the entire culture and all of creation. That might also be me, right? There's the now and not yet John. And so I see that I too, like all of creation, am in some sort of process and God is really helping me. But man, it's hard work to, to try to break the addiction to myself. And so the third Sunday of Advent, by the way, the third Sunday of, of Lent too, is supposed to be kind of a deep breath, kind of a breather, like, okay. All these other candles are, are purple, representative of pain and expectation and ache. We're not quite there yet. And then the pink candle, which is on purpose. We didn't just run out of purple candles. The pink candle, the rose-colored candle is on purpose because it represents joy. Joy. Because we've arrived? Nope. But today, we are going to celebrate because what is true will always be true. It never hasn't been true, and that is this, that God's mind about us is made up, and the news is good. Oh, there's joy in that. One of my favorite authors says it like this, joy is the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved and that nothing, sickness, failure, emotional distress, oppression, war, or even death, can take that love away. So in a season that's meant to give voice to our ache, that things aren't yet the way they're supposed to be, and like I said, that I'm not yet who I'm supposed to be, Gaudete Sunday, that's this Sunday, Gaudete Sunday comes as a much-needed break, a breather, allowing space and time to rejoice in God's never-ending care and belief and attention giving to us. Now, as John the Baptist will remind us, it's not that we still don't have some work to do, because we do still have some work to do. But today, we will, at the same time, celebrate the good news that God in Christ has come near and that God in Christ will come again to finish what God started. Now, we said it last week. We'll say it a lot this week. Repentance, repentance. It's right there for us to talk about today. But I, but I want to say to you again, repentance is not the highest good, is not God's greatest dream for any of us or for all of us put together. It is absolutely necessary, but not the greatest good, but absolutely necessary. When asked, are you the Messiah? People were wondering whether or not this John preaching this message of repentance was the Messiah. John said to them, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. You just heard Paul read this. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He is greater. What he's bringing is greater. What John was preaching was repentance. Absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary for the greater thing that would come with Jesus. No, says John, there is someone and something more and better coming. But this king and this kingdom upon arrival is going to burn through the stuff and the fluff and the chaff and get to work. So it's best to be ready now. 
It's best to be ready now. And scripture calls this really good news. But it didn't really start sounding like that when he referred to people as you brood of vipers. (laughs) But let me interrupt this with a late-breaking story. Dateline, November 23rd, Montgomery County, Maryland. A man was trying to rid his rental home of snakes. And so he tried to smoke them out and in the process burned his house to the ground. Snakes don't like smoke, but we've always kind of known as a society that snakes flee from fire. He's done, it's a $2 million property. He's done $1.4 million worth of damage because he was trying to get rid of the snakes. We have known since biblical times that snakes don't like fire. And so it would make some sense then that seeing the fire of judgment that was coming, that John would say, ah, you bunch of snakes fleeing from fire. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Here's another time when someone might say to me, hey, John, we don't talk very much about God's wrath. We don't talk very much about judgment or judgment day. Well, welcome to church today. Because we have to talk about it some today because John the Baptist is talking about it today. But let's make sure that we understand it the way that he's talking about it. He is saying to people who should know better, right? He is saying to believing people who recognize that they both have this ache for a Messiah, but this need for reform, hopefully this resonates with some people, this ache for a Savior and yet need for reform, they are all coming out to him to be baptized, to be a part of the reform movement. But John is saying, hey, wait a minute, folks. Just getting baptized, just getting baptized, as important as it is, And as much as we all like to hoot and holler when people come out of the pool, if that's all you do, if your life then doesn't demonstrate the change that you are confessing in the pool, if that's all you do, then that didn't work and it's not God's fault that that didn't work. John says, hey, bear fruit worthy of your confession, of your repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, hey, it's okay, I'm a Nazarene, I'm good. God loves Nazarenes. It's okay, I'm a Christian. And my theology is that so long as I can kind of claim to be a Christian, that God's mind about me is made up and it doesn't matter what I do. Listen, friends, God's mind about you is made up and it really matters what you do. It really does. This is not a cheap grace. This is not a cheap grace that only costs God everything. This is a very costly grace in that it did cost God everything. And in response, we step into it, recognizing it will cost us as well. If all you have done is confess with your mouth, but not with your body, you have not confessed. If all you have done is repent with your mouth, even if that repentance moment has happened in the pool, but you have not then repented with your body, then two bad things and they're both bad. A, you have not really repented, but B, you're not ready for what the bigger thing that God wants to do next. And so John says to people, there is judgment for people who should know better. There is judgment for people who think faith only resides up here, you know, where I think things and then sometimes say things or sing things. No, if faith doesn't then somehow matriculate, like that, I've been reading this week. to the rest of your body, through the ends of your fingers, then you haven't confessed 
and you haven't repented. And sure, God's mind about you is still made up, but you're the one wandering into oncoming traffic. Because your repentance is not, never has been accomplished by your words alone. And friends, even your baptism. And I would, again, suggest that if you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. It is a cleansing moment, but it is also an initiation rite. You need to be brought into this family in the most official of ways, in a sacramental moment. You need to be brought in and identified, yes, with the people of God, but also with the people of God who are identified with Christ. You must be baptized. You really, really must be baptized. And then it must make a difference in the way that you live in order to honor the moment of your baptism. And if it doesn't, says John, verse 9, even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees, every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Well, now he's got these people's attention. I mean, once you start, and I've noticed this too, I don't know why it is, Dr. Green, but some, for some reason, people, especially people who have grown up in the church, love a good fire and brimstone hell's coming to get you sermon. That, for some reason, we're wired that that gets our attention. And so the people say, verse 10, all right, then what do I got to do? <laughs> what then must we do? Hear me say it again. Judgment is a thing. <laughs> judgment, the judgment of God is a reality. Not everyone is ready or will be ready for the bigger, better thing that God is aching to do now and in the days to come. You must remember, repentance is absolutely necessary. It's still not the greatest good, but it is absolutely necessary. It is absolutely an unskippable step in the process of renewal and restoration. And you've heard me say it, I'll just underscore it, when I say confession, when I say repentance, it can't be for me and it can't be for you, just something that happens from my neck up. It must be full-bodied, whole-bodied. Okay, John, but what does this full-bodied repentance look like? If it's not completely accomplished in the spoken words of testimony and in the pool of baptism, then what does this look like? John said, okay, here's what it looks like. Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And anyone who has food must do likewise. Now we're getting to happiness versus joy, right? It, it may not necessarily seem like it, but we have just now made a turn toward at least the potential for joy. Now happiness may be you saying, look how many coats I have. God be praised. <laughs> I have a coat. I have a coat for every outfit, for every color palette. I have coats for a little bit of wind, a lot of wind. I have coats for golf. I have go coats for, you name it, I've got a coat for every season. And because I do, I'm happy. I mean, how can you not be happy when you look and see how many coats I have? John would say, if you are happy having so many coats, but the young man over there, the young woman over there, the old man, 
the old woman over there is cold and without a coat? You want to know what repentance really is? Repentance is you giving him or her a coat. Another term, and I'm going to drop it in here, but we're going to kind of make use of it the rest of the way. Another way to accomplish, I'm just going to trust that you know what I'm, what I'm doing here, okay? Another way to accomplish this full-bodied repentance is by leaning into generosity. By being more and more and more attentive to the needs of the folks around you. When I am spooked about something, about the future, I, every time it happens like this, I, you can tell how anxious I am or not by how much food is in our freezer. And I'm sad to admit, sometimes food goes bad in my freezer because I have been so uptight about something that I just have stocked up and I've forgotten because things got good. What am I doing? Happiness is not having an absolutely overstuffed pantry. Actually, that could be happiness, having an overstuffed pantry and freezer. But joy is making sure that someone down the street is not hungry. You see how we need to at some point be liberated from the happiness that comes only when we get stuff? Can you see that? Do you see how it is the intention of God that you and I, it's the intention of Scripture, it's the intention of the Christian calendar that you and I, over a period of time, would somehow accomplish liberation from ourselves, not only for the glory of God, but also for the service and to the service of the people around us. If you have two coats, switch out happiness for joy. Because there is joy in warming another person in a way that there's not if you just have to build a bigger closet. Verse 12, even the folks that work for the IRS came to be baptized. Unbelievable. <laughs> and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said, well, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Cheating. Cheating was a regular thing. Lining one's pockets. But you know what? Let's give a little bit of grace. Maybe they too were concerned about the future. Maybe they too could see the writing on the wall and could see that things were changing. Maybe this was a way to hedge against the unknown. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. Okay, it's not that you can't or shouldn't work for the IRS. I mean, I think you can even work for a bill collector. I think you can be a soldier or a police officer, but how you do these jobs matter. Generosity has to be a part of how you go about these jobs. Like these shady, snaky characters, you may get some sort of strange happiness, power trippy happiness out of intimidating folks. But if that's the case, please know that your membership in your local church will not save you for the from the judgment of God. In fact, not even your baptism will save you if that moment of cleansing and initiation into the family of God isn't backed up by changed, generous life. 
the IRS employee and the soldier and the police officer can still be generous. What must it feel like to be generous with second chances, with respect, generous with a gift of dignity? Generosity is not only full-bodied repentance and the necessary unskippable step if you are to be prepared for the bigger thing that God is doing, but generosity is also the bridge built between you and joy. Even for God, giving seems to be a source of joy. Reading from Zephaniah 3. Sing aloud, daughter of Zion. Shout, Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives the victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Even God's heart is moved toward joy in the process of generosity and grace and giving. Verse 15, back in Luke chapter 3. Words that we've already heard as the people were filled with expectation. And all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah. John answered them all by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. This is, this is just prep work for the work that God wants to do. But listen, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So when harvesting wheat, sometimes what farmers would do Sometimes they would wait for a windy day, gather up a whole, let's say, rake full of wheat. And in the process of moving it from this place to this place into the barrel where they would keep it so that it could then be processed, they would throw it up in the air and the wind would blow out all of that which was not useful. And all of that which was not useful would kind of be gathered up into the side of the room. And I'll tell you what they would do with that. They would just burn it up. And by the way, it was very combustible. They'd burn it up quickly. But the point here... (laughs) The point here is this. Remember, it is still called good news. When repentance and forgiveness are available, then judgment can be good news because, remember, this is God's heart we're talking about. Consequently, the primary aim is to save the wheat, not burn the chaff. Think of it like this. There are a lot of different metaphors that I've kind of worked through this week. Let's say you have a house that needs to be redecorated, refurbished, redecorated, transformed. You know that you can't do the decorating and the transformation. Somebody else who's got some schooling and some experience and some other resource, they're going to do that. But you have a job to do, which is to clean out the house. Or let's say it's a garden and you look at this garden and you, you look at this field and you say, someday this will be a garden that produces fruit. But right now, it is just covered up with weeds and ugliness and all that kind of stuff. Yes, only God can do some of that which makes life live. Maybe somebody else beyond you will have to be the one who plants the garden, tends the garden, harvests and does all that kind of stuff. But even folks like me 
I know how to pull weeds. <laughs> in preparation for the better thing that God wants to do, yes, in you, but amongst all of us, in preparation for that better thing, you and I still have work to do. We've got some weeds to pull, y'all. And those weeds are best pulled when your whole body is into it, not just when you say it. I must pull weeds. Amen. Not even when you make a public proclamation. I will be the weed puller, let's say, in a baptistry. But the best preparation is done when you pull weeds. I don't know if you've noticed over here on this side of the church over here. Kobe, I'm sorry I did not ask for your permission. Scout Troop 89, I believe, right? This is Kobe's Eagle Scout project. They said, wow, that's ugly. <laughs> Correct. Now, there is vision for what could be right over here. And I would encourage you at some point to go take a look at it. There's a vision. And sure, you know, only God can turn the seasons, right? <laughs> and sure, God will bring life. There are some things in this whole process that only God can do. But man, there's a lot of things that we can do in the process. And so a lot of people got together to do a lot of those things. They got together to do some work over here because that's the way, I love the way that this becomes, Kobe, a metaphor for us over here. God's going to do what God's going to do, and it's going to be great. We need to do some things to get ready for what it is that God's going to do. And so they did. They did some things to get ready. And it looks great. Now, it's not yet what it's going to be. Right? Those are red buds, right? Man. A line of red buds there. That's going to be pretty. It's not yet what it's going to be. It's not yet what it's going to be. I mean, God's going to do some things between now and when it's going to be what it's going to be, and it's going to be beautiful, right? But there was some work that needed to be done to get it ready for God to do what only God can do. Christian, God wants to do a beautiful thing in a life, in a heart, in a household. Perhaps in an entire church, God wants to do a beautiful thing. I would submit to you that God loves to do beautiful things. Perhaps in a city, what about in a denomination? God wants to do a beautiful thing in a denomination. Anybody else sign up for that? God wants to do a beautiful thing, let's say, in a state, in a country. I would submit that God has not yet given up on the world or on creation, and all God's people said we dare not sit on the sidelines with our arms folded to wait for God to do what only God can do when there is stuff that we can do now. And that stuff that we can do now is called repentance, confession, full-bodied repentance, which is always, always going to take the form of generosity. Hear this. You and I, we are fields. We have great potential to be partners in God's dream to feed, nourish, sustain, to bring life. Much, if not most, of that potential, if it's to be fully realized, is dependent on God and the work that only God can do. And yet fields, again, like you and me, 
We still might have some weeds to pull. There might be some old dead shrubs that need to be taken out. There very well could be changes that we can make. Yes, yes, God can be trusted to do what only God can do, but there are some things that I need to do and you need to do to get ready. I need to repent to make the turn, to reorient away from a never satisfied or satisfying shallow happiness that is consumed with consuming, with accumulating coats and more coats and more food and more stuff, and toward a more reliable, sustainable joy that comes from the recognition that God has been generous to me, to us, which then unlocks my capacity to be repentant and generous in all things for those around me. Here's a question that we have to answer on Joy Sunday. Ready? Have we done everything we can to get ready for God to do what only God can do? The joy of giving and sharing prepares us for what God wants to do next. And may I, may you, may we discover that joy this season. And we are reminded each week of that gift that God has given. If you were helping us with communion, would you please go ahead and come on down and take your place? Heavenly Father, around this table, remind us again of the gift that we have been given. Remind us again that you are the gracious giver of all good gifts. Remind us that generosity actually starts with you and that our movement into the realms of generosity is made as we, are, as we are reflective of and responsive to your grace. So God, bless these elements, bread and cup. A piece of bread and a sip from a cup, but in your hands it becomes something more becomes a very tangible reminder of your gift of grace, of our being recipients of this gift of grace, and of our capacity to at some point become the bread that is taken, blessed, broken, and given. In a moment, all of you who are willing will be invited to stand up and come down front. You'll be dismissed by row by the ushers who will come by and tell you when to come down. By the way, if you're asking, well, am I eligible to come down? Listen, if you know of your need for grace, it does not matter what happened on your way to church over the past week, month, year, lifetime. If you recognize your need for grace, you are always going to be welcome at this table. Always going to be welcome at this table. Now, you may not be comfortable taking communion by intention, which is what we're gonna be doing today. And if not, that's okay. These ushers, the same ones who are gonna dismiss you, also have right there with them a small plate full of the prepackaged communion. And please know that that is just as good, and we celebrate your taking communion with us in that respect. Or if you choose to opt out altogether, that's okay too, because you're invited, but no one should feel compelled. Invited, but not compelled. If you do come down front, here's what will happen. When you come down front, then please come with your hands cupped to receive the gift. Someone will place a piece of bread in your hands. Take that piece of bread just lightly. Please don't go knuckles deep into the cup. <laughs> 
just lightly dip it into the cup and then take and eat and then go find a place to pray. That place to pray might be at one of these altars here. If it is, great. At some point, somebody will just check on you and see if you're okay. But if you would like to go to one of these side padded altars, those are prayers, those are, pray those are altars reserved for prayers of healing. And somebody will meet you there to pray that prayer for healing. And it could be healing of any one of a number of sorts of aches and pains. It could be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, familial, and relational. If you need a prayer for healing, somebody will meet you at those side altars to pray that prayer for healing. Pastor Daniel, if you'll take care of over here, and I'll take care of over here. Or you can just circle back around and pray at your seat. That works too. Just want you to know that you can have somebody to pray with if you'd like to. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread. He blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, remember me. Later on, he would take the cup, hold it up before them and say, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you drink of it, remember me. And so now, if you would, all across the sanctuary, as you are dismissed, come forward either to take communion by intention or stay there in your seat and go ahead and eat and drink as soon as you get your cup. Go right ahead.
this in a prayer of confession before turning it back over to Jason for prayers of intercession. Heavenly Father, in these moments, we lay ourselves open and grant you all the permission that we can muster to point out where there is need in our lives for more repentance, more full-bodied, whole-bodied repentance, reorientation, where there is need in our lives for increased generosity in our capacity to give, yes, of our means, but also to give as it has to do with respect and dignity and second chances. And so now, church, if you would, pray that prayer for yourself and allow God to move you to a place where you can now recognize your need for continued and perhaps increased repentance. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of the Spirit, keep us in eternal life. I want you to continue in that sweet spirit of prayer as we move to these moments of intercession. And on a Sunday devoted to joy, looking forward to a moment, I want you to pray prayers of blessing and joy over those that you love. But would you join me in prayer for these moments of a few folks that have needed your sense of your healing and presence. And so Jesus, we do join together as a body of Christ asking for your continued healing and blessing upon the life of Derek Doris. What a joy it was to see him here this morning for this dedication. And God, we want to give you thanks and praise. But God also asked that you would care for him in the future and future procedures and perhaps surgeries to get him fully well. But God, we ask for your healing of him and surround God, Tiff, and their family in love. And God, in the midst of this difficult moments, God, would you provide joy for the whole family. God, we ask that you would take care of my friend, Tate Lamb, who's had a terrible infection this week that led to a surgery in his leg. He's home now, but spent this, some of the time in the hospital. So God, we ask that you would continue your healing in the life of Tate Lamb. Would you be with Nikki as she cares for him and especially their little baby girl, Charlie? God, we ask that you would surround this Lamb family with your love and provide them joy in these days and also healing. God, we ask that you would surround McKinley Green with joy in difficult days as each day she has just difficult moments with her health. And God, we ask that you would surround Mike and Morgan and all of the Greens who love her for her healing. God, we ask that you would be with Glenn and Betty Fain and all the Fains, the gift of joy that they bring to us 
And God, we ask that whatever Christmas looks like for the fans this year would be full of joy and strength and healing and peace. God, we ask that you'd be with those who are struggling with COVID. I know of a few that have the life of the church and loved ones in the life of the church. And God, in these moments, we ask for your grace, we ask for your healing, we ask for your presence. God, we ask that you would take care of those who need you who are struggling with cancer or who have cancer and perhaps are doing very well. And that's surely some of these. But God, some of these folk need your healing touch today and the days to come. And would you pray for someone in your life who has cancer, as I mentioned these names of those we love, like Margaret Farmer and Carolyn Fielding, Angela Adams, Dennis Bratcher, Scott Peterson, and Bonnie Goodwin. God, we also ask during this time of prayer that you be with those who this Christmas season is going to be a very difficult one, perhaps because a loss they've experienced this year or recently. Perhaps it's just a difficult time as they, perhaps God, do not have the family that they would have envisioned in their life at these moments. And God, we run to recognize that at times conflict can be hard and ask that you would bring joy into moments for those who this season may not look like it would want it to look. And God, we also pray each week for those who are incarcerated. God, we ask that you'd be with those who are alone. And God, those that need you the most. And now before the Lord's Prayer, on this Sunday of joy of this Advent season, whoever comes into your mind's eye, would you pray a prayer of blessing for joy over their life? Whoever God places in your mind, it might be someone you love, it might be someone close to you. Maybe God's gonna pull a trick on you and put an enemy in your mind. But whoever God puts in your mind in this moment, could you pray a prayer of blessing for the joy in their life? And you do that as Mark plays, and then I'll begin the Lord's Prayer. And this prayer should be on the screen in front of you, whether you're watching online or here with us. But let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.